Hey, Property Insiders, I'm Mike Stenhouse, and this is the Inside Property Investing Podcast. You are in the right place if you are an aspiring or existing investor looking to build a portfolio and a property business that works for you. And from this podcast, you're going to learn from all of my insights and advice from over a decade in the industry, as well as the lessons learned from hundreds of other successful investors. So you can listen to what worked for them and avoid what didn't. I hope you enjoy today's podcast and whatever you're up to today, I hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. It has been a little while since I have been uh, invited into your earbuds. We haven't released a podcast for a little while. Uh, we've been super busy. Uh, that's not really an excuse. After eight years of hosting this podcast, I should really have our processes nailed down a little bit better. But, you know, life gets in the way. And um, unfortunately, this isn't always our priority because we are super busy running our property business as well. Uh, busier than ever at the moment, actually. Wonderful Will, our project manager for the last couple of years, has uh, unfortunately departed and gone on to new career pastures. And I'm very excited for him. I am, I'm genuinely happy for him. He came to us as a young graduate straight out of university. And, um, you know, we we got a good couple of years out of him. Uh, he's now ready to kind of expand his his experience and uh, go and do the 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 city job thing with the the suit and the tie and the after work beers and all that stuff that that we can't really offer. Um, so that means I'm back project managing for my sins. I'm enjoying it. It's nice to be back on site. But equally, we are actively recruiting for uh, Will. 2.0. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like as our team and our business continue to evolve. Uh, we've also just got back from an amazing trip. We were in, uh, I call it the Alaska trip, but we we started off with a few days in New York with a toddler, which by the way, was far better than I expected. We've done New York a couple of times as a couple, Victoria and I, uh, but we were a little unsure what the big city life would be like with uh, a, a less than two-year-old. And there was so much going on. We had a real blast and the weather was great, which was nice. We went from there to Vancouver up to Whistler. Um, and I know I know a few of you from me mentioning Whistler and Vancouver in the past are also West Coast Canada fans. And it was our first time there in the summer. So that was really nice. We just caught the end of the season uh, so it was a little quieter than usual, nice and peaceful. Um, and we had a great time hiking and cycling and canoeing and doing all sorts of fun outdoorsy activities. And from there, we went on an Alaskan cruise. I know cruises really divide opinions, but I love them. There's just something about having all of your stuff in a room and then waking up in a new location every day. Probably not the most cultured, I'll grant you that. But again, with little ones and as a big family trip, there were uh, three, five, nine of us on this particular family trip. Um, so it was great. We we had a lot of fun um, and I just kind of switched off. It was mine and Victoria's birthdays, Victoria and I's, Victoria and my birthday. One of those is possibly grammatically correct. You know what I mean? Uh, both of us enjoyed our birthdays whilst we were away. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Give me a lot of inspiration for some emails that I've been sending out as well recently. If you're on our email list, uh, you will have seen them, I hope. Um, and 
yeah, getting getting into the the details of how I run my business and the lessons that we're learning from everyday life. So I've I've had a lot of fun writing them. Hopefully you've been enjoying reading them. But what I wanted to talk to you about today was um how to grow your portfolio organically, uh infinitely, uh to whatever scale you want without needing to worry about unicorn deals all the time. You can build a portfolio without every deal being this perfect all money out award winner. And I wanted to share with you an example of of how we are doing that in our business right now. And it came about uh, on the back of selling another one of our HMOs. We we sold one earlier in the year. I did a podcast breaking down all the details of that, what the process looked like for selling it, why we decided to sell it, the the way it was valued and all, all that stuff. So if you're interested in kind of potentially selling some of your portfolio, although you know the the peak of the market has maybe we're maybe past it now a little bit. Um, so, you know, I think we, we picked a very good time to look at selling that on the back of that, we decided to, to list another one and, uh, that we got a good offer on. I'll, I'll share the details soon, but yeah, the pretty smooth process to, to get rid of something else out of the portfolio. Um, and it kind of made me think about this, this process, this approach that would effectively allow us to keep growing that portfolio, um, using the same cash on repeat without every deal needing to be a unicorn. And part of the reason I thought it was worth sharing in today's podcast is I think there's a big issue in the property world, particularly with aspiring investors, less experienced investors around expectations on how to grow a portfolio. These expectations that all deals need to be all money out. They need to be these elusive unicorn deals. And they do exist. They can exist. Uh, we had a great session during one of our uh, uh, this year's HMO summit with Jess Leader, who was talking about a unicorn deal that she just completed. But I think it was of the all the deals that she'd done, it was the first time that she had an all money out deal. And she's doing very well. And she's leaving money in deals. But there's this belief, this um, you know, advice, if you want to call it that. I think, you know, social media is guilty of it. These free weekend introduction to property investing seminars are guilty of it. They make it seem like everyone is doing it all the time. And it's the only way to scale finding deals that you can get all of your money back out of. If it's not a hundred percent recycle your cash, infinite return on investment, it's not worth doing. And I think that's BS. And I think we we should be comfortable doing deals that are good enough rather than always looking for deals that are perfect because we can scale far quicker by doing deals that are good enough than wasting all of our time thinking that every deal needs to be uh, an infinite ROI, get all your money back. And there are other ways to keep growing your portfolio as well. And it, yeah, if you've listened to me on the podcast for a while, you might be thinking, oh yeah, Mike, private investors, fine, blah, blah, blah. I've heard this before. That's not actually what I'm talking about today. Um, it, it kind of is, but it also kind of isn't. So uh, I wanted to just address it with uh, a scenario that has come up for us. And, you know, in a similar situation to to uh, Jess Leader, uh, very few of our deals over the years have been all money out. We've, we've had a couple of them. And, you know, I kind of, uh, I skip home down the street when they happen because it's a great feeling and it's a great place to be, but very few of them turn out like that. And, you know, 
we're doing okay. So if that's not how you scale by doing these elusive deals, what is the answer? Well, it's it's actually kind of the similar theory, the same theory, but just on a bigger scale, looking at it over the portfolio rather than on a deal by deal basis. And it's part of the driving force behind our decision to sell this most recent HMO, the second one that we've sold this year. So a bit of background, a bit of storytelling to set the scene for you. We owned three HMOs with the same joint venture partner. And that's why I'm saying it's kind of like private finance related, but I could equally have done this on my own had I had the capital to to do so. Um, It just so happens that this scenario was with an investor who we set up uh, a limited company with and we bought three HMOs with them. They did all the funding. We did all the the kind of legwork um, and, you know, we we split things 50-50. So a bit of context, not really relevant to what we're talking about. But yes, in this specific scenario, there's a bit of private finance involved. So the first deal that we did actually was one of the very few kind of unicorn deals that we have done. It was a large commercial to residential HMO conversion in Stockport, a nine bedroom house. We bought it for like 220. We probably spent about 115 on it, on the works to turn it into this nine bed HMO. And we got it valued at 450. So you can do the math, whatever 75% loan to value is. We effectively got everything I think maybe we left like three or four thousand pounds tied up in that deal. But, you know, on a three hundred and forty grand investment to leave four grand left in, I'm I'm counting that as a, a pretty big win. So we did that one. Everything went pretty well, got our money back, had a conversation. What do we do next? Well, let's let's do another one. Let's rinse and repeat that. And um we went out, we found our second HMO, another commercial to HMO conversion. We bought that one for, I want to say like 180, um, something, you know, it was, it was relatively cheap. Uh, you know, it was a hundred and something thousand pounds, close to 200 grand. And again, it needed a lot of work. This one actually had a big double story extension at the back basement conversion. Um, so it was even more expensive from a renovation point of view than the first one. And all in, I think we ended up spending about a hundred and eighty thousand ish, maybe even a little bit more than that, on you know renovation, stamp duty, planning, all that stuff. We were all in for about three hundred and sixty grand, and again, I was expecting this to be valued up at about four hundred and fifty k, which wouldn't give us all of our money back, but would give us a good chunk of it back. Now, the real kick in the teeth with the second deal was that the valuer came in and basically said. Okay, you bought it for X, you spent Y on it, so I'm going to value it at X plus Y. It happens. It can be very frustrating. I was extremely frustrated, but we left a chunk of money in this project. And at the same time we were doing that, we found our third deal. We cracked on with that in the same joint venture company. Um, And that one was kind of middle of the road. It was a commercial building. And we retained part of it as commercial, ground floor commercial. And then we put like a six bedroom HMO above it. And it was a really good deal. Works well. Um, It turned out with that one, we left, I think about 40,000 pounds tied up in it. So a bit of money, 
but nowhere near the I want to say like £120,000 or so that was en- ended up being tied up in deal number two. So, quick recap. Three HMOs. Uh, one of them we got pretty much all of our money back out of. One of them we left about hundred and twenty grand in and one of them we left about forty grand in. They all more or less make us about two grand a month on average. Net. Pre-tax, but net. So, um, you know, Good returns on investment. The the third one, uh, you know, we're looking at twenty four grand a year um, on a forty k, so over a fifty percent return on investment. The first one, infinite ROI, pretty much. Um, the the second one, uh, you know, it's probably about a twenty percent return. It's not the most exciting, especially given the fact that it's in a, a JV. We did not expect to leave that much money tied up in it, and it was it was a bit painful. Um, it wasn't what we expected, but these things happen. So we've got 160K of our investors' money tied up in these three projects. On average, when we evened it out, we're still getting over a 20% return just on, on his return, right? Uh, 2K a month per house, three houses, which is 6K per month times 12 months, 72 grand a year. Um, so he was getting half of that, 36K on 160 grand it's it's still like a 22 and a half percent return or something like that but you know things could be better than a 22 and a half percent return and particularly when you've got one deal that the valuation wasn't great on um you know it always been on our minds like okay well maybe we can refinance it down the line or like let's do something with that one that was the one that was holding up that roi being even better but after the sale of our first hmo at the start of this year we got talking about things and that second deal kind of came up in conversation and we thought, well, you know what, if we could sell that for what we feel like it should be worth, um, what an investor potentially would pay for it based on what we sold our first HMO for, that could be really interesting. So let's list it and see what happens. And we did and it sold and it was a pretty easy sale. We sold it for £450,000. So, uh, yeah, definitely more in line with, uh, I think it was 452 and a half or something we ended up selling it for. Um, and we were like, you know, if we can get in the region of 450K, that's that's a pretty good place for us to be. As with the first one, it was a cash buyer. It was a very quick and straightforward sale. It was an investor looking for that turnkey day one return on cash. And they will probably refinance it, but, um, you know, Happy days, it completed in a relatively short space of time. Um, no big dramas, no finance applications, no valuations to worry about, nothing like that. So nice and easy. So we sold that. We now own two HMOs instead of three. But because of what we sold that second one for, the £450,000, I mentioned that we had um, a valuation originally of 360k we had i think a 70 percent mortgage on it so it was about two hundred and fifty thousand pounds of mortgage debt and we maybe 260k maybe we were closer to 75 percent loan to value but it was it was in that region 250 260 270 thousand pounds mortgage so we were almost 200k in the bank and we owed the investor or the company owed the investor 160 grand so he got all of his money back 
we now have an extra 40k in the company that we didn't have before. So we've kind of created an additional 40k. And we're now able to both take a much better return on zero money invested rather than the 22.5% that, that he was getting. Now, my cash position doesn't change much drastically because I, you know, I didn't have any of my cash tied up in it. It was, it was his funds, but it puts us in a better position and it gives us not just all of our money back, but all of our money plus a little bit more. So forget the fact that this was a JV, forget you know any of the, the other factors. This could have been three HMOs that I bought or that you bought. It might have been two and one of them was sold to repay the debt that the first one owed. It might be four or five and you only need to sell one. But the point is, if we look at each deal in isolation, think it needs to be perfect, it needs to be give us all of our cash back out, we're probably going to struggle to find too many deals like that. Whereas if we're looking at it over a period of time and across the portfolio, over three, four, five, six deals, there will probably be ones that will be better able to sell to repay us a bigger chunk of cash versus some of the ones that are kind of cash cows from an investment point of view, just churning out that monthly cash flow. Now, no two deals are ever going to be the same, right? So this scenario will vary from from person to person, from situation to situation, but we could adopt this approach going forwards now that we've got that money back in the bank. And for every three that, that we buy, we end up keeping two and selling one without needing any more cash beyond what we originally started with. And like I say, in my case, that was nothing as our JV partner provided the investment for these projects. Each deal individually does not need to be an award winner. But if you consistently do deals that are good enough, you'll be able to keep growing by selling every third one, every fourth one, every fifth one, whatever the market and your own situation dictate to you. And like I said at the start, I am very aware in an ideal world, we would keep everything that we buy. But we're not operating in an ideal world. We don't have unlimited cash to keep leaving money tied up in deposits. We don't always have valuers or lenders who agree with us all the time and what we think a property should be valued at once we've done these renovations. So we maybe need to be a little bit more flexible. We need to lose that expectation that we can only succeed and grow a property portfolio if every deal is perfect and all money out. We can do it by looking at our portfolio more broadly and saying, as long as every three or four deals are good enough, we're not going to keep everything. We're going to keep most of it, but far better to buy four and keep three than not buy any in the first place. So that's all I wanted to share today. If you're an experienced investor, hopefully this is a bit of reassurance that you can keep going without doing perfect deals. And cards on the table, it's how most people I speak to operating at any serious level are growing their portfolio. They're not able to keep everything. And it's 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 not something we need to focus on. Keep as much as you can, but be willing, be prepared, be happy to sell the occasional thing if it allows you to, to continue to scale your portfolio and give you that growth that you're looking for. And if on the flip side, you're just thinking about getting started, particularly if you're just thinking about getting started with your first HMO, then I'd love to help you with that. We've helped dozens, hundreds of other people do the same thing. We've got a free training coming up starting this Sunday, depending on when you're listening to the podcast. If you're listening to it at any point up until about the 
12th or 13th of October, there's still going to be time to join and catch up with those training sessions where I'm going to be helping you create your own HMO financial freedom plan. What does it look like? What needs to be in place for you to create more freedom in your life from HMO investing? So if that sounds interesting to you, if you want to understand a little bit more about HMOs, why we love them so much, why they've enabled us to get our portfolio to this stage of, you know, being able to do more or less as we please without needing to clock into a day job nine to five, uh, then this training could be a great little insight, a great starting point for you. You can find out all the details and register for that at insidepropertyinvesting.com forward slash HMO. And if it's after the fact, we'll probably be doing another one around about January time. So feel free to register, join our email newsletter, get in touch with us on social media, and I can keep you posted about future events as well. But hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you've got any feedback, comments, questions, feel free to get in touch with me or Even better, leave me a little review on iTunes if you haven't done that for a while or you've never left us a review. I always appreciate them. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what you want to hear more of. And I will see you in the next episode, which hopefully isn't six weeks from now. Talk to you soon.